This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Chris Cornell was one of the best rock and roll singers of the last 40 years. He had an incredible four-octave vocal range that showed he could be incredibly powerful and delicate, sometimes in the same song. And the music he created was as diverse as his range. He came up in the music scene in the 1990s as the frontman for Soundgarden and Temple of the Dog before taking over lead vocals for Audio Slave. He also released a handful of solo albums that included singer-songwriter material with an acoustic guitar, the theme from a James Bond movie, and some more electronic work with Timbaland. He also unfortunately struggled with depression and addiction until his tragic suicide in 2017. Today on The Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to celebrate the life and music of the amazing Chris Cornell. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 58. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm here tonight with a man who is skilled behind the mic, the drums, and the bar, the one and only Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks and McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia, and we are just one of the dozens of awesome shows on the Pantheon Podcast Network. What's going on, brother? Hey, man, I'm chilling, dude. Uh, the football eagles thing that was a rocking time too bad we lost but business was good and uh i'm just appreciative of the business that we got for the super bowl yeah i'm you sure know? the bar was jumping it was it was amazing dude there was a film crew there filming some kind of documentary about how passionate the eagles fans are and uh they just recorded the bar like the whole time like during the game was going on. I was like, I hope uh, this doesn't screw up your uh, documentary that they lost. So I go, no, no, this is like a whole thing for like next year. I was like, all right, right on. Very cool. And yeah, if you want to capture the, uh, you want to capture the passion of the Philadelphia sports fans, McCusker's is a great place to do that. I, uh, you know, I live kind of almost on the cusp of uh, Giants country. So I was watching with a bunch, only with one other Eagles fan, other than my wife and daughter. And uh, yeah, I was, I was taking a lot of crap, but it's all, it's all good, man. It was a nice run. Hey, man, professional wrestling, baby. That's all I got to say. I was afraid maybe we we're going to have to take an extra week off if there was a parade this week. It was going to throw everything off. Yeah. So it's, you yeah. Know, that's the sunny side of it. You know, it parade would have been awesome, but dude, it would have been a shit show. People drinking from like five in the morning to until we kick them out. That's a long day, Holmes, especially yeah. with Eagles fans, dude. Well, it was a fun run. And, uh, you know, we're back doing the podcast. I'm actually I'm wearing my McCusker's uh, sweatshirt. Right on, right on, right on. Representing. Ready to, yeah. ready to rock and roll. So that's what we do best. Absolutely. 
And tonight we decided we're going to talk about Chris Cornell. He, uh, I don't know. This has been on the topic list for a while. We, uh, I don't know. One of the times we were just messing each other, throwing ideas around. And I was like, we should just do something on Chris Cornell and all the music that he made. And you were like, fuck yeah, dude. That's, that sounds great. You know, it's interesting to me. Like, you know, I always appreciated Soundgarden, but I couldn't get down with them because they were too muddy and depressing, like kind of thing. But I loved Chris Cornell solo shit automatically. Like, it, even like Temple of the Dog. I love that shit. But something about Soundgarden, I couldn't get down with. It's interesting because they were one of my favorite bands out of the 90s. But I'm also a big like Alice in Chains fan. I like that kind yeah. of like sludgy, muddy sound. We went, um, and sang, we went and seen Soundgarden together. We did when they reunited. We went and saw them in Philadelphia. Remember how many fucking people were there? It was. Yeah. Remember some guy oh. was getting his ass kicked by security. Oh, guy was getting stomped because he was uh yelling at his girlfriend or something and he shoved her and then guys just just whooped his ass in front of everybody the warden was with us the warden was there wasn't he yes he was we had a whole bunch of guys with us and uh that was cool man because i had gone and seen roger waters like the night before and that was yeah the really elaborate stage it was what he was doing the wall and then this was just four dudes on a concrete slab just blowing everybody off the stage with rock they and did, roll. It was man. really cool. They, they were, were great. He's he like you said in the uh, intro Bruce, he's the greatest vocalist in the last 40 years, man. You know what, dude? You said that as we were trading all the notes getting ready for the show and I don't know if you said it expecting me to disagree with you but when you said it I was like, "Oh yeah, no, dude, you're right." It was like a revelation more thing. Like I'm sitting okay, like I said, I'm not like a huge fan of there, but I'm sitting listening to his box set that's on Spotify all the way through. I was like, this motherfucker is the greatest singer in the last 40 years. Easily. I put something on our Twitter account too, that we were getting ready to do this show and listening to a ton of stuff. And almost everybody who commented was like, Oh yeah, he's the, he's one of the greatest of all time. He's the best rock singer since Freddie Mercury and, and all that other kind of stuff. Oh yeah. dude, And that, I'm so glad I got to see him a bunch of times. I saw him with Temple of the Dog uh, a year before he died. They did a reunion. That was awesome. I've seen him with Soundgarden. And I seen him on his first solo tour at the Tower Theater, man. It was fucking awesome. I sat in the front row. That's just, cool, dude. Yeah, it was amazing. I saw him with Audio Slave, And I, just yeah. totally, I totally remember listening to them and thinking, Man, rock and roll had just missed his voice so much. And I'm so yeah. happy that he was doing something again. Absolutely. Along because, with those rage guys. Yeah. I said Soundgarden was one of my favorite uh, artists out of the 90s. I don't know, man. I just remember sitting in my room listening to uh, Bad Motorfinger all the time. And- oh, yeah. I remember when that fucking album was like first introduced to like MTV kind of thing. And like Rusty Cage fucking came on. Dude. That song is like metal and they tried to fucking put it in like a grunge kind of thing. Yeah. And I started, I don't know, man, as I get older, I kind of realized that grunge was just like a marketing ploy. I'm telling you, we're going to do a show about the whole fucking scam of of grunge, dude. Yeah, dude. I'd love, let's do it. I'm just, I'm really glad we decided to do this. And I think a special guy, dude, he's a really special one of a kind. Yeah. Everyone around our age, we all remember when Kurt Cobain died, but Chris Cornell, I think when he died, I think that hit me a little bit harder. Yeah. 
it might have been because he was kind of like the last man standing, after, you know, Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley and Scott Weiland. And he was only 52 when he died, but he was still kind of like the senior spokesman for the 90s and that whole generation. And I don't know, man, it sounds lame, but I just thought he was going to be a dude who was just going to kind of get old with us. And he would be, you know, he, he wasn't way, you know, he wasn't light years older than us. I just kind of thought we were all going to he'd be making music into his 60s and maybe beyond that. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Well, you know, Bruce, you know, mental illness is a really hardcore thing, bro. And uh, it's it was so shocking that he, you know, ended his life because I thought he was over the hump. You know, like, oh, like he's putting music out all the time. He's doing shit with his daughter. And when he died, you know, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe he went from a gig and went right to the hotel room and ended his life. It, it's fucking one of the craziest rock and roll things to happen in the last whatever years, bro. It's a really tragic thing. And yeah, I knew he had struggled with alcoholism. I didn't realize some of the other problems he had had until I started doing research for the show. I was reading a lot about him and his music and everything else. And even like we'll get to the end, like after he passes away, but all the shit that went on with his estate and his family, no, it's, it's just, awful. It's man. really sad, man. It really is. Just to, I was thinking this week, I'm like, this is going to be a sad one, man. There's a lot of sad shit in the story of Chris Cornell. There is, but there's also so much great music, man. Um, oh, yeah. I thought maybe the way we tackle it is maybe we'll do like Soundgarden, Temple Adult. We'll do the bands and then maybe we can jump. Yeah, man, let's just, you know, do our thing the acoustic stuff and we just kind of figure it out one thing i thought was interesting to him i never realized that he was a high school dropout oh really yeah so okay but he was also when he was in high school he was fucking around with pcp already which is you know that's angel dust yeah that's a shit like you know you see some guy like gets high and tries to fight like 14 police officers and stuff so jesus um, christ yeah pretty hardcore you know the seattle sound 
they were really the ones that kind of started all that shit. They were the first, one of the first bands to sign on the sub pop records in Seattle. And we did a whole show on the history of yeah. sub pop records. Uh-huh. You can go back and check out. And then they were one of the first bands to leave sub pop and sign a major record deal. So they really kind of brought a lot of those other bands with them into the mainstream. That fucking first Soundgarden album is fucking killer. The louder it, than it, love or whatever it's fucking called. And I kind of felt like some of the really early stuff, dude, he just didn't have his, he hadn't found his really like sweet spot. He was really young, voice. dude. He was a young guy. Sure. You know? Sure. It was interesting too. And I mentioned in the uh, the monologue that he has a four octave range and not to get um, like too, not to get like too nerdy with that, but an average like schmuck like you and me has a range <laughs> of like one and a half. Yes. And like a, a professional singer can have two or maybe three. Four is like, Freddie Mercury, Mariah Carey, Prince, like the, you know, think about Unreal. some of the most amazing voices and he could do that. It was just, uh, and it was amazing, one of them. Man. Yeah, man. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, he was one of a kind. There's was only one of them. Only one, only nobody ever fucking sounded like he did. There was so many like beautiful little acoustic things. Like we did sunshine shower in the beginning of our, sh- of our monologue, but then you hear something he does off a of fucking like rock and audio slave and he's screeching, man. He he was just off both ends of the spectrum. And it was you normally pick the song that we open with. And that was a great pick because yeah, we could start with the opening, you know, the the opening rip and coaches on that, you know, audio slave first track, he just punches you in the face or you know, outshined or something, but showing his delicate side was a great call. I, I just seen that he was a really sensitive guy. He was in a lot of pain. His it sounded like his whole life. I, I figured we have to start this a little memorial more than a rocking thing. No, his music was all over the place, and I think that's one of the things I really respect about him is he never stopped recording and he never stopped like doing the next thing. I read there's an article from Spin Magazine. They're talking about him. He said. Uh, Chris was always moving on to the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing, whether it was some sub pop to AM records, Screaming Life to Super Unknown, Soundgarden to Audio Slave, hip hop beats to solo acoustic tours. He was always searching, always looking around the corner to see what interested him most. And then he was gone. And I was like, that's wow. perfect. That's, you know, he wow. tried so many different, different he things. He did everything. I don't yeah. know. Did he do any opera kind of shit? I don't know. I don't think so. And, you know, Freddie Mercury is always Freddie Mercury and will be in his own thing. But Freddie Mercury also would do all kinds of different, you know, the disco oh, songs yeah. and acoustic oh, yeah. songs and that he could kind do of, anything. Yeah, he could do anything. Cornell yeah. could do anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we started talking about some of the really early Soundgarden stuff. I did put um, Beyond the Wheel from Ultra Mega OK on here. Just kind of an example where I didn't think he found his voice. I'm going to play this at like a minute 30. Hang on a second. Cool. It's know. heavy. It's a Soundgarden guitar sound, but he sounds almost like King Diamond in that a little bit. Almost like Testament, man. Like something like that, you know? 
It's interesting. I guess they were just trying to get on a record deal. They're doing whatever made sound at that time. And like you said, he was a younger guy at the time, and they were still finding their way. Cornell also started as the drummer for Soundgarden, and then he eventually moved to guitar. I thought that no was kind of interesting. So again, he was a hell of a guitar player, too. Wow. Yeah, which just shows how talented they were. I mean, I always think of Kim Thiel being you know, the big, the dude ripping all the guitar riffs. And then, he, you know, of course, he played with Tom Morello and Audioslave. But yeah, a lot of the acoustic stuff, dude, he's really good. Yeah, I've seen him. Unbelievable performer. Unbelievable. Like anything. He, he could do anything. Soundgarden had you know two runs, so they had the you know the beginning, and then they became what like a huge popular in the '90s, and they broke up in like like '97 because they just started fighting with each other on the direction of the band. And I could see that, dude. If you're the guys and you have kind of found your niche, and Chris Cornell sounds like he just wants to do everything and try all this different shit, you know, I I get it. I could see where that was coming from. I kind of remember Cornell being a prima donna kind of kind of vibe like for, for uh years you know and uh until they broke up but then they got back together and we went and saw him and he was so fucking humble like i was really blown away by that because everything i ever seen he, he was like real snobby kind of thing you know but like the way he was like thanking the crowd for you know 20 years of whatever it was at that time. It was a nice side to say, and it changed my whole opinion of him. Yeah. So Soundgarden was still together when he passed away. I'll, we'll, I'll get to some of that at the end, like the stuff that they were working on. But, you know, the guys in the band, they actually decided they thought about finding another singer and to keep really? going. And they, they pulled the plug. They did something yeah. with that. I, I talked about this a little bit before that, uh, that band Tad on the sub pop record, the sub pop episode, the real big heavy set dude. Oh they yeah. Did, they did some shows as Tad garden when he was singing. He, he did something with them. It might've even been the tribute show to him, but they were just, they all got to leave just, it alone. They yeah. They ultimately fuck alone. Yeah. They said they're still thinking about trying to find another singer, but they would have a different name and it would not be. Yes. Like dude, yeah. give me a fucking break. Yeah. And there's also some, probably some legal shit behind that too. Cause his, widow has sued the band and the band has sued her and said we'll we'll get to all that shit at the end wow shame yeah it really is but you know those first couple albums were on sub pop and then the big one bad motor finger 1991 the best year in the history of rock and roll music as we did a whole two-hour show on that and you know it's just uh it's the just one of those monster the fucking yeah, album's a monster bro that's all you could say yeah, dude. It, uh, I remember it coming on on Headbangers Ball before anything. And it was just something different, man. It was just something different about it than what anything was going on at that time. Because some of their stuff was slow. Like Outshined is heavy, but it's slow. Different. Yeah. And Rusty Cage yeah. is a little bit little bit faster. Johnny Cash does an awesome cover of Rusty Cage. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. Let's hear Rusty but, Cage. Yeah, dude. Here you go.
Yeah. Ah, yeah. Rock and roll, baby. There's a handful of just great songs on that. That album, dude. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a classic. Outshine was the big. I guess that was like the big first song. That was that a great had. song, man. Yeah. And just uh, they used a lot of weird. You know, I'm not a musician, but I was reading a little bit about how they use a lot of different like down tuning, which yes. I guess was a big part of grunge. Yes. And they did a lot of like weird time signatures and all their music, which kind of Matt, made it sound. Unique. Matt Cameron's one of the greatest drummers ever, man. Rock and roll drummers, you know. He he's Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. He's super he's super drummer, man. Yeah, so he was the guy that replaced Cornell when when uh, Cornell originally the drummer and then moved on. And then they recruited Mac Cameron. Very cool. And it's he's so fucking underrated. It's 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 a sin. Yeah, the fact that he played in two of the biggest bands that come out of that scene is just really cool. And he played on Temple of the Dog. Yes. Um yeah, let's finish talking about Soundgarden, dude, and we can get into Temple of the Dog. But and then they followed up Bad Motorfinger with Super Unknown, which was another, you know, just huge album. That was huge. Uh, I remember, like, was that is that the one with Black Hole Sun? Yeah, I dude, I hate that song. I'm like, uh, maybe I didn't hate it. I heard it so it played much. the fuck out, man. That's how yeah. big it was. I still don't to this day don't want to fucking hear it. That album was huge. Yeah, that had Black Hole Sun. That had oh, hang on, I can say that that had Black Hole Sun. That had Fell on Black Days. Super Unknown. Spoon Man. Spoon Man. That was yeah. huge. They had all kind that whole bunch of hits. And then the next album after that came out, that was down on the upside. That had a bunch of big cuts on it, too. I'm going to play a little bit of Burden in My Hand because I think his voice really kicks ass. And a couple of that. Hear a little bit of that. And then it kind of picks up from there, but you can Hell really, yeah. you know, his voice is a little isolated there. It's just really. Yeah, cool. he's. Yeah, that was a big fucking song, dude. And then they broke up the year later and they didn't come out with another album until King Animal came out in 2012. Dude, I, I love that album, man. I really do. I honestly say I have probably never listened to it. It's a good album, dude. It's worth listening to more. Um, It sounds a little like more pop than okay. some of their earlier stuff but you know, it was also the first thing they put out in uh 16 years something like that is that so, when we went and saw them yes that was the album that came out we might have seen them before that but okay. that was their reunion album that was the last album they put together the band they were actually working on another album when he died and that's kind of the sad shit that happened yeah. like, so the band wanted to finish it and uh, his widow wouldn't release the tapes. She was like, well, nothing, nothing said that these were like he cut vocals. And she's like, nothing says these are Soundgarden songs. Uh, maybe they're supposed to be his. And the band was like, but we were announcing that we're working on more shit. And uh, the band sued her or no, she sued the band. And then the band sued her back. And it just kind of it got really, oh. it got really ugly and mm. messy. Dude, the music but, business is cutthroat, bro. It is a shitty business. That's the only yeah. way you can make it there is you're a 
kind of a shitty person and just step on everybody to get on top. That's what it takes. And it's really sad that it kind of broke up, you know, that it spiraled out of control. We talked about them. They were nominated to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before. And we just said collectively that we didn't think they were going to get in because of all the fighting that was going on. Yeah. With his wife and with the band. And maybe this year's the year that they get in. And maybe that spurns them to kind of all make up with each other. They should be one of the dudes in there, man. I agree. Who? I mean... It's a ridiculous concept Hall of Fame thing anyway, but I like it. I, I think it would be a great achievement to them, you know, that it means they'll be around forever. I think putting them in, too, you're also, even though Soundgarden is the one on the nomination, you're acknowledging all the other cool music that he made. I bet you years from now, they'll put him in by himself. Could be. He was that influential, but all right. So that's probably it on Soundgarden. And then before we jump into Audio Slave, man, we should talk about Temple of the Dog. And Temple of the Dog was just a one-off project by members of Pearl Jam and Soundgarden to honor Andy Wood, who was Chris Cornell's roommate. Yeah, and was also the singer for Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone was basically a little bit of Pearl Jam before Eddie Vedder came in. Andy Wood was a great songwriter, so he would challenge Cornell to write better songs than him. Like they would push each other back and forth. Like they're really great friends, and they, you know, they went to like different levels. Like Andy had a great song on on the Temple of the uh, Mother Love Bone album, "Crown of Thorns." I don't know if you can like look it up or something. Yeah, but just to have, maybe, maybe just to show like how the Mother Low Bone sound was. Yeah, dude. And that's basically before Eddie Vedder. There was Mother Love Bone. Yeah, I don't know exactly what year that album came out, but it was the hairband shit was still going on at the time. And maybe it sounds a little dated, but imagine like them progressing with with Andy and Eddie Vedder never came into the the picture, you know? They, he you, died in 1990. So yeah, it was before obviously the album came out before that or it came out like right when he died right it was like i don't remember we we talked about it in the sub pop episode it was like his death was right at the same time that the album came out yeah it, and it devastated cornell yeah and like, he started writing all these tribute songs yeah and um the temple of the dog album came out yeah so jeff amen and stone gossard from pearl jam were in mother love bone and cornell went to them and just said hey i'm i'm writing these uh I've been writing some songs in tribute to Andy Wood and those two guys, it was really cool. They said that Cornell coming to him, coming to them and getting them back into making music really helped them get through with Andy Wood's death. I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, hunger strikes a huge fucking hit. Yeah. But that whole album is amazing. 
What did I put on there from that? You put Say Hello to Heaven on there. Let's play a little bit of that, dude. And I've got a, I've got a little story on Hunger Strike. But here you go. This is a great song. This was the first song from him that I heard and I was like, God damn, this guy can really, really sing. Yeah, dude. I, holy shit, dude. I ran out and bought this fucking album when I discovered it. And I was like, I really don't like Soundgarden, but I fucking love this Temple of the Dog album. I love how Cornell sings on it, you know? And the yeah. songwriting and, you know, let's, you know, Cornell's voice, you know, we've been talking about, but how about his songwriting skills? The, you know, the things that he says, you know, it's hard to quote him by, you know, but just like listening to him in the last week and catching phrases that he says, I was like, man, he had a lot of pain in him, bro. You messaged me that during the week. You were like, man, some of the lyrics he writes are just really big, heavy shit, man. Yeah, they're really like, if you're, you know, maybe if you're bummed out, maybe listening to some of his shit's not a good idea. I yeah, dude. I mean, he's got addiction problems. He's dealing with depression, and his roommate died. So yeah, I totally understand. The story behind Hunger Strike was interesting. So uh, Gossard and Jeff Ament, and then Mike McCready, they decided their mother Love Bone broke up that they were going to start another band. And they were auditioning singers and Eddie Vedder was in town auditioning for them and Temple of the Dog was rehearsing and Cornell couldn't hit the low notes in the song. So Eddie Vedder was like, yo, can I let me try? No way. And I read it. I have a quote from Chris Cornell. He said, Eddie Vedder sang half the song, not even knowing that I wanted the part to be there. And he sang it exactly the way I was thinking about doing it. It was just instinct. It was really it was, cool. It was meant to be, dude. When, yeah, you know, the, we talk about the cosmic stars open up and magical things happen, bro. I just remember when that came out and we were like, oh, wow, man, it's like Pearl Jam and Chris Cornell together. But you know, they did cut a whole album beyond that. That one song. But that song was enormous because it had the two of them on it. Yeah, it was definitely a staple in my record collection. Absolutely. And then it was cool that they got back together and they did that tour. I didn't see them on it. I did. That's great, man. They I do. saw them at Madison Square Garden. Oh, they played a place that big. Yeah, I have. You can't see it. It's it's uh, a poster in my in my house, but I got the concert poster from it, and it's like a really big collectible now. Very cool. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't see them when they came around. I wish I would have, but it was fucking awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. and they didn't play Crown of Thorns. And I was pissed. No. I guess they can't play everything. I don't know. And then, so after Soundgarden broke up, he joined Audio Slave. And I think you've said 
you told the story before that Rick Rubin was the one who suggested that they, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Zach De La Roca left. The remaining guys in Rage were looking for another singer. They actually jammed with Be Real from Cypress Hill, but they didn't want to have another rapper. And there was always rumors that Lane Staley auditioned for them, but Tom Morello said that's bullshit. And then Rick Rubin said, hey, you guys should try doing something with Chris Cornell. And, you know, I th- I was thinking when I was listening to the audio slave shit, I wonder if they like got to, like they realized like, oh, we can make a record together. They went ching, like right off the bat. You know, you got Cornell in your fucking band. And and the great thing it was to show that the Rage guys were better musicians than what they were playing on Rage Against Machine albums. Yes, you- absolutely, dude. So I. I put that in my notes when they started. It was a Rage Against the Machine and Soundgarden supergroup, but they eventually found their own sound, and it it was really cool. They had some fucking they had that mellow song that came out. I forget the name of it. I am the highway. Is that what it is? I think so. That just shows uh, off how how good that you know the guys from Rage are. Tom Morello is a fucking genius in my book. Yeah, and the combination of Tom Morello's guitar and Chris Cornell's vocals just it just worked. I just I yeah. really really enjoyed that stuff. And yeah, we could play a little bit of I am the highway. You know what's great about that song? It's like it's audio slave. They automatically came up with their own sound. Like boom. Fuck. It's not the it's not the guys from Rage with a different singer. Yeah. You got fucking Chris Cornell. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let's make some fucking songs. Amazing sounding and lyrics, amazing and his amazing vocals. How can it not be a hit? I remember hearing that that was coming. Because remember, like they um they announced that they were getting together and they didn't like name the band yet. And they always broke up before they even put out anything. But I remember hearing that they were like still working in the music store or maybe not. Yeah, I guess maybe we were. And I was like, holy shit, the guys from Rage are going to get together. That's going to be fucking awesome. And then it came out and a couple of, you know, like Cochise has, that sounds like a Rage song with Chris Cornell. But then, yeah, yeah they, they started as they progressed their sound. They just kind of found their groove and it was just really cool. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, what they do. Two CDs. They I said did more CDs. Than, I said CDs. Yeah. <laughs> no, they did more than that. Uh, they did three albums. All right. So they did one more than that. You know, what was also really cool with that, man. If I went on, I was watching a lot of shit on YouTube and they would play Soundgarden stuff. They would play Rage stuff. They didn't get hung up on that. Like, well, we did, you know, Cornell never got hung up. Like, well, I didn't write that. I'm not going to sing it kind of shit. Yeah, I've seen them in concert, man. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were doing everything. It was fucking great. I've got a whole bunch of YouTube things that I found. Like, so they covered Outshined. They covered Rusty Cage. I got Bull, I got Cornell doing Bulls on Parade. Oh, that must be awesome. I've got them doing Killing in the Name of. I've got them doing Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. Cornell could have been the greatest cover band singer ever. Here's Seven Nation Army. Black and 
I bet like they sit in the fucking dressing room and they're like, oh, let's fucking do this song tonight. And they break into it, you know, something like that. They're playing some huge festival, but they, yeah, they played all this other, they didn't care. And they would also do, um, they did a lot of like acoustic versions of their songs, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They did like a AOL thing, like a, they did something for serious AOL. Yeah. They're back way back in the day. They did, um, Cornell covered a, did a version of hunger strike with Chester Bennington from, uh, fuck Lincoln park too. They were, they were tight. Oh, were they? That was like his mentor. And when Cornell died, he was like heartbroken. I didn't know that. And that's, that's sad knowing that the Chester committed suicide too. Yeah, man. So that's probably it with all the bands that he did. And then we can start talking about all the solo stuff that he did, which is my favorite shit. It's so different. I mean, he, the, you know, we played the sweet sun shower. Um, when we came out of the, out of the monologue and it's just, uh, so different than Soundgarden or anything else that he did. When that first solo album came out, I mean, that Sun Shout song was on that Cruel Intention soundtrack. And then he came out with his own solo album. I can't remember what the fucking was called. Euphoria Morning. Great fucking record. Like, I love that automatically when I heard it. What did I put on there from that? That song can't change me was a big yeah, that's what you put on here. Let's play a little bit of that. What she thinks is wrong. What could she wrong with me? Yeah. Wait just one minute here. I can see that she's trying to read me. She's going to change the world. She's going to change the world. She's going to change the world. But she can't change me. Awesome. Love it. I saw him on that tour and his his fucking so good, dude. So good. He, I put another. I don't know if we have time. But yeah. I put, what do you I got? Put another song from that album on the playlist. Preaching the end of the world. Dude, this song is so good. His lyrics. Uh, do we have time? Can we play? Yeah. It? Yeah. Let's do it here. Great song, man. There's a lot of uh, the stuff going on musically, too, that you can tell he's starting to try all the different stuff. Oh, yeah. I think he his mind was bigger than Soundgarden, man. You know, he had, you know, Soundgarden sounds a certain way. And, you know, I think Chris Cornell thought deeper than, you know, the Soundgarden thing. Yeah, he, He was like, you know, no matter what band, no matter what thing, Cornell did it was going to be a hit I agree I read somewhere in again in spin magazine that he said that Jeff Buckley influenced him a lot on this band sure and, this album I, too, and I could totally hear that yeah yeah Jeff yeah, Buckley's yeah Jeff Buckley was very cool yeah 
he did the great version of uh hallelujah right yes the leonard cohen song another guy who who died tragically in a weird you know drowned in the mississippi river while swimming just like his father and his father drowns too yeah really weird yeah, I like. I really liked Jeff Buckley's. Uh, yeah, you know, sure. He only released a one album, and then he came out with something uh, posthumously after he died. But back to Chris Cornell. Yeah, dude, it was. Uh, he had a couple other albums. He came out with Carry On in '07, Scream in '09. Scream was really weird, man. That was the one he did with Timberland. I don't know. Uh, it's. I don't. It's not here. I put Ground Zero on the playlist, dude. It's a lot of electronic stuff. It took a lot of shit from critics. And I don't like it. I, I listened to it again yesterday. I appreciate he was trying to do other things. It just didn't work for me, but I'll play a little bit of this. Here yeah, go. I have no idea. I really like that. Did you? It sounded like that yeah. Robin Thick song. That uh, no, man. It sounds like something grooving from the seventies. Not, yeah, not necessarily something like Shaft, but <laughs> but you know something grooving. That was I don't know. I yeah, heard I, I didn't. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it when it came out. I hadn't okay. listened to it really since then. But it's a little. But again, I said I appreciate that he's trying different things with his music. And teaming up with Timbaland is just a weird combination with the two of them. That just shows he he's like, dude, I'll work with anybody. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. He came out with an album, Higher Truth, in 2015. He also did that song from the James Bond movie. I love that dude, song. That is a, it's a great song, man. That just, you know my name. that just says 007. Yes, the music is really cool. His voice, like later at the end, too, he really gets after and starts screaming and it starts kind of melodic. It's just uh, it's really cool. Play. Yeah. We could do a show on like James Bond theme music too. all the artists, famous people have done it. But yeah, here you go. Love it, man. Love the horns in it. I wonder, I wonder if that was like nominated for like song of the year or something. Uh, I'm, but the internet would know. Holy shit, man. How could that not be? It was nominated for a Grammy for best song written for visual media. I don't even know that was a fucking Grammy category. Yeah, weird. Okay. I don't know if it won or not, but um, yeah, dude, it's a it's an awesome song. It's one of yes, my favorite solo things that he did. Yes. So then when he so he passed away and then uh, they released this album of covers called No One Sings Like You Anymore. Some of the stuff on there, some of the covers are kind of obscure. They're not all like I mean, there's some things that everybody knows, you know, like Patience was on there. Nothing compares to you. We'll probably get to some of those. Does a song of a, a cover of a song called Stay With Me, Baby by Lorraine Ellison. It was in um, 
it was for an HBO show called Vinyl. Oh, I love that fucking show. Did you? I haven't seen it. Yeah, but I, I should watch it. But oh, it's um, great. It's about uh, the record business in the 70s. Yeah, I, that's what I heard. And yeah, it's um, great. But this is like a soul kind of cover, dude. I'm going to play a little bit of it, dude. It was it was awesome. Okay. Holy fucking shit. Right? What is that? What is that from? Right? It's from vinyl. That's the that's the theme song Holy from vinyl. Shit. I never like fucking like paid attention to it before. Your reaction was what I had this week when I was listening. You know, I got the discography up and I'm playing all his stuff and I'm just kind of working. And that came on and I was like, I stopped at what I was doing. I'm like, holy shit. Unreal. He yeah, God, he was so fucking talented dude yeah man just doing like a soul cover just it was so awesome yeah i was like we're both kind of like sitting here like speechless a little bit it's like i just love that series and i never noticed it i'll have to Unreal. watch that dude yeah it is great it's fucking great and i pissed me off there was only one season of it hmm. yeah like the guy like discovers like punk rock it's it's a pretty pretty good story. Mick Jagger uh, I, produced it or some shit. I don't yeah, know. I was just gonna say that. That's what I heard that Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger's it. kids in it. He looks hmm. just like him. I think we're kind of like we're almost winding up with talking about Chris Cornell. We got I got a whole bunch of other there's things on the playlist we can move through, most of which are covers. But but they're interesting. Like what do he do weird? Yeah, Billy Jean. How fucking weird is that? Maybe before we do that, maybe we should take a break because we do have commercial sponsors. Yes, sir. So maybe we should we should bang those out. Okay, let's then, do uh, it. All right. We'll be back. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks. We're so happy to have them on board because they make a great product. Their motto is grown here, sewn here, because Boldfoot Socks are made in America. They have a variety of styles and designs for everything from working out, going to work, are working on a podcast about music. They're also great people. The president, Josh, is a military veteran, and the company donates 5% of the proceeds of veteran charities. He bought a pair of Boldfoot socks for a 100K race. That's over 62 miles, by the way. And he loved them so much that he bought the company. So as soon as you're done listening to us, go on over to boldfoot.com and check out all the different styles they have. That's boldfoot.com. All right, we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. We're going to bring it home. So we're going to talk about some of the cover songs that Chris Cornell did. And I thought this was so cool. I talked about this, you know, when we were talking about Audio Slave, that they just would do all this other kind of stuff. And same thing with his solo material. Yeah. 
absolutely um i'm sure everybody has heard that nothing compares to you that he does and uh about the whole lot of love he does on that shit with santana yes, yes. the nothing compares to you before we move on to santana it's like it's a completely different song than the Sinead O'Connor. I know it's a Prince song, but I, I think most people just associate it with Sinead O'Connor. And it just uh, it just has it gives off a different vibe to me. He's like doing covers, right? Like he's done other covers like he covers one from you, two, And he makes up his own lyrics in the songs. It's, it's different. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was weird because I was listening to that album this week and i heard that song and i just kind of looked down and it said one by chris cornell and i'm like but i don't recognize any of the words it's like oh i guess he's kind of making his own lyrics to it okay cool. yeah it was kind of weird and yeah. like i said the billy jean thing was fucking weird the billy jean cover was cool because it was so it was slowed down and it was acoustic and it was stripped down and you know i'm sure a lot of people have heard that too i doubt that you got to play a little bit of it all right yeah i'm always down let's go you do before the lie becomes the truth is not my love. she's just a girl who says that I am the one but the kid is not my son Billy Jean's a stalker dude <laughs> I should have looked up why he decided to do that song Maybe he was being stalked, and that's like I never realized. I just listened to the words that it's like a fucking stalker. Yeah, the child is not my son. Yeah, and she's like, you know, be aware of this chick. I don't know. He Michael Jackson had all kinds of fucking people around him, and I'm sure the the, the ugliness of the business was all over him. You know, I like I like that version of Billie Jean better than Michael Jackson's, but I'm not a really big Michael Jackson <laughs> fan. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Wasn't my favorite, but so you mentioned whole lot of love and we have to circle around and play that. Cause uh, that was another song that we traded back and forth this week as we we're doing our notes. We're like, this is fucking yes. awesome. Was it's it with San Santana? Right? It's with Santana. Yeah, dude. Here. Dude, he, awesome. he could have came in with fucking Jimmy Page and fucking John uh, Paul Jones, and he, he could have rocked that shit. He could have been the replacement for Plant, man. We said at one point that uh, Chris Robinson from the Black Crows could, is the only other guy who could sing those songs. Cornell could have done those songs. He oh, could have been in yeah. like a he could have done like just a whole album of Zeppelin covers and he could have rocked that. I think it would have been more prestige if uh, Cornell did it. You know, who gives a shit about chris chris robinson you know <laughs> yeah they're a little different singers but still really cool cornell's just the bigger name in my book yeah we got some other what else is on here some covers 
Billy Jean. He did Imagine. He did. Yeah, a- it's pretty. It's pretty cool. That one. I watched a video of him doing this on the Howard Stern show, and he was in there. Like, and Howard's at his best, I think, when he interviews musicians because he gets them to play a song and then talk about it. It was really cool. But yeah, the version on here is pretty good too. We could play a little bit of that at the Paps Theater. Of course, we have to play it. It's yeah. at the Paps Theater. Cheers. Season if you try no hell below us above us only sky imagine all the people living for today oh so cool man you put a day in the life on here. Is that the Beatles song? Yes. Really? All right, let's hear Play it. it. I, I didn't hear that. Let's, all right. Didn't notice that the change. Crowd of people stood and stared. Seen his face before. Nobody was really sure if he was from the house of blue. I saw film today. Oh, I wish we could listen to the whole thing, dude. That was really good. Goosebumps. Wow. Huh. I didn't get that far. I didn't listen to this whole. So a lot of this stuff you're, we're playing is on from the box set, the Chris Cornell. Yeah, it's on Spotify. Yeah. All the way down to compilations. I didn't it's get this huge box set that has like fucking 50 tracks on it. And, yeah, you could, I, and it's on Spotify for free. No, yeah, well, not a, free, but you know, it's a shame. He covered uh, Wild World with Cat Stevens, but that's grayed out for some reason. Probably Cat Stevens music, probably not on Spotify or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff on here. And there's also acoustic versions of Soundgarden songs and Audio Slave songs. And again, it's just really cool that he was willing to take this stuff. And uh, strip it down and step out from behind the music and just him and his voice. Just really cool. I'll uh, play his covers all night. I don't know how long we're doing this show, but, you know, he did a lot of them. I don't know if there's anything else on the playlist that we haven't played yet. We could put compare to you on there just to hear it. Yeah, dude. Sure. Here. It's been seven hours and 15 days. Since you took your love away I go out all night and sleep all day Since you took your love away Since you've been gone Heartbreaking. It's fucking heartbreaking, bro. I remember when that Shit. came out. I remember just like kind of flipping the channels and I think it showed up on my Sirius in my car and I was like, the hell is that? You know, nothing compares to you, Chris Cornell. I listened to it. Yeah, it's live at Sirius. And I was like, man, this is really, really good. It's just uh, a much different interpretation of the song. Uh, I mean, the Prince version is great too, but yeah, but Cornell had so much fucking pain in him and his voice said it all. 
I listen to that song a lot this week. You know, I tend to when we're getting ready to do a show, you know, we pick the topic and then I tend to be the only thing I listen to for two weeks. And I was just doing a bunch of stuff around the house and I listen to this a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed the whole playlist. I mean, I really got into the whole box set. I, I sat around on the weekend and just listened to that whole fucking thing. And I'm like, this guy was on a whole level of writing songs of his voice. He was probably a very complicated guy. You know, there's a lot comes along with talent, man. It's, it's you know, there are people that are that fucking talented or are, are very, uh, I don't know. They have seen to be a different kind of person to be like they live their songs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he just never seems that he stopped working. And I said he had no hang ups on recording other people's songs or reinterpreting his songs. Really cool, man. It seems like he just threw himself into his music. And that's was constantly what he was doing. I, probably the only thing he knew. Right. He dropped out of high school. I don't and think became he became a musician. I think he was plain as day. What he had, had what he you know, when he opened his mouth and sang, he was like, holy shit. You know, I wonder what that was like, you know, what, what was his first singing experience, you know, and like who fucking taught him how to sing like that? Or was it all just raw talent? Some people are just put on earth for a mission and his was to be a musician. Songwriter, man, fucking and hardcore. What other yeah. rocking songs do we have on there? I know there's a bunch of songs on there that are just rocking. Uh, covers that he did yeah there's another temple of the dog song uh oh yeah reach down yeah all right here you go play a little bit of that Cool. Oh, uh, dude, that was probably from the reunion thing they did years right before he died. 2016. So yeah, that was the tour. That was that's what I went to. Very I cool. Saw it, I saw it at Madison Square Garden, and it was bigger than life, man. To hear all those songs live, good shit. Did they only play Temple of the Dog stuff, or did they? Yes, do any? that's okay. it. That's cool. Yeah, but I was expecting Crown of Thorns to be played. Yeah, you didn't get that. Pearl Jam plays it all the time, which is cool. I'm obsessed with that song. I don't know. Very cool. That might be it, man, on Chris Cornell. A lot of songs, a lot of great music. How about all the lawsuit shit? Yeah, dude. So, well, I talked about that a little bit, that his wife, his widow sued the band and the band sued back. And I think all that stuff is still tied up. I remember his wife was his manager. And when he divorced her, she was like, uh uh uh, motherfucker. And she owned his musical instruments. So she like held on to his guitar collection, like, like totally as just like, fuck you. 
kind of thing. Oh, oh yeah. She oh, yeah. um, she also had the keys to all of Soundgarden's social media accounts, and so Soundgarden, like it's they, Soundgarden now has access to it, but Soundgarden couldn't post any on any of their own, like their Twitter account, their Instagram, and all that shit. She had all the keys. What is her they, name? Vicky. Hang on, I have it in my notes. Uh, I want to give her a shit bag of the week. Hang on, I got it on here. Yeah, Vicky Cornell. Look at that. I remembered something. Shitbag of the week. All right. Yeah. Shitbag of the week. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, she's a she sounds like a nasty, uh, nasty person. The woman uh, or the band sued her back saying that the, the benefit concert. So after he passed away, they had a big benefit show for him. And uh, the money was supposed to go to the foundation that Chris and Vicky Foundation, uh, Chris and Vicky Cornell Foundation, and the band sued saying that she pocketed some of the money. And I think that lawsuit got dismissed or dropped or something. But as far as I know, I think they're still fighting over a whole bunch of shit. So hopefully they get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they make up and and they figure something out. I hope so, because uh, I just hope they don't fucking put a lame ass version of Soundgarden out. It sounds like they won't. I mean, if they come up with another band, they move on. Cool. We'll see. But I don't know. Everybody's got a payday. Yeah. Everybody's going on tour now. All the all the Springsteen tickets are going to go on sale. My fish tickets are going to go on sale. Yeah, that summer concert series man. getting ready. So. Everything's happening, bro. Yeah. You better uh, get your uh, tax return and put it all towards concert tickets. Yeah, right. It's an investment. So, all right, uh, let's keep on moving, man. Let's roll into second thoughts and music news and the electric chair. Here you go. I fucking love that. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit better teeing it up every time. I got, I have a ton of second thoughts. So, uh, Mike from New Jersey said, I have a bone to pick with you guys. In your last episode, you mentioned Get a Grip by Aerosmith, and then you never talked about it. I feel like those Aerosmith videos with Liv Tyler and Alicia Silverstone were the peak of that generation of MTV. Otherwise, this was a great trip down memory lane. Yeah, dude, we brought up Get a Grip and we brought up the spaghetti incident by Guns N' Roses. And then we talked about Guns N' Roses and we never talked about Aerosmith. Yeah, you know, um, we were like moving on and I was like thinking, oh, we didn't think of talking of Aerosmith. Like we forgot, but we already moved on to the next subject. Right. So, yeah, man, Get a Grip was huge. That was like I their saw best... them on. I saw Did them you? on that tour. Oh, absolutely. I think that was like oh, their best yeah. selling album. Dude, how many fucking songs came off that album? I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Eat the Rich, Living on the Edge, Crying, Crazy, Amazing. Yeah, dude. I, I love I, Amazing. Amazing yeah. guitar solo is fucking killer. I don't like that soft type of music that Aerosmith came out with in the late 90s, the mid 90s. I hear you. I hear you. But it was like, you know, I was always in the songwriting and shit. So I always loved that album. I I thought like Steven Tyler and Joe, Joe Perry were like a great songwriting duo. Okay. All right, Mike. Well, there you go. We talked about it. You know, just we're two weeks late, but we finally we finally love it. It's all good. Uh, Jamie Hall sent us an email. He said, have y'all ever considered an episode on the best and worst covers done by other bands or artists? I dig the show a lot. I'm behind in getting caught up. I'm currently binging the episode playlist. Keep on rocking. Yeah, keep on rocking. 
I wrote him back, said, yeah, dude, we're absolutely thinking about that. That's been on our topic list for a while. And I asked him what some of his best, what some of his favorites and his least favorites were. He gave them to me. And uh, I won't read them right now. I'll save it (laughs) if we do the episode. But we went back and forth. We were emailing each other for quite a while. So really appreciate you taking the time emailing us. Uh, Let him know if he wanted some stickers. Shoot us his address. We'll be happy to send him some. Thank you so much. Yes. And then Phil from Pennsylvania. So we have a new super listener, man. He may be taking over for the warden. So Phil has written in the last few episodes and he said, I finished listening to your episode on 1993. I actually worked at a Sam Goody in 1993, too. So this brought back a lot of memories. I had to listen to that goddamn Three Musketeers song 11 times a shift, along with Brian Adams, greatest hits and that friggin Sinatra duets. I did love the Crash Test Dummies album, and I thought I was the only one who listened to that Guru Jasmataz album. Gangstar was my jam. Out of the half dozen episodes I've listened to so far, this one was my favorite. Oh, and that guy from the Spin Doctors looked like Rocky Dennis from Mask and Seal had a love child together. Yes, he did. Oh, wow. That's he's, this guy's going to the bus straight to hell. <laughs> Phil, I actually... um I used to play softball with Phil and I've known him for a long time. And it was really cool that of all the years I've known him, we've never once talked about music. And then he st- we're out grabbing a beer and I mentioned the podcast and he was like, you have a podcast and he's been listening to it. And I never knew he was so into music. And now we're having like, he's texting me like, you didn't talk about the Jayhawks. I'm like, the Jayhawks came out in 94. Oh, wow. Not Jayhawks. Yeah, it's yeah. just a uh, really, really cool man. He's been giving me like you did. You didn't talk about this. You didn't talk about that. Really cool. You're just so much. You can't fit everything into the show. Right. Like we said something about how R&B didn't have anything good about it, but we didn't talk about Janet Jackson putting that fucking album out. Yes. It, you. Yes. And you that was that. huge. Right. That was fucking huge. I got to give credit out for that. Yeah. She, that was a kick ass album. And I kind of blew, we blew across that, uh, the Tony Braxton album. You said you were like, that wasn't a bad album. I just kind of shit on it and moved on. But yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about Janet. That's all. Yeah. All right. Music news. I got two things. First, uh, U2. U2 had an ad in the Super Bowl where they announced a residency at the new MSG Sphere at the Venetian in Las Vegas called Octung Baby Live. U2 also announced that drummer Larry Mullen will be taking some time away from the band to recover from surgery you two has a new album coming out on st patrick's day called songs of surrender and they said that this new live show is supposed to be like zoo tv for the new the new generation dude now i gotta go to fucking vegas what the fuck yeah i was Uh, got my attention i'm intrigued yeah i saw it during the super i'm like holy shit did anyone else see that and nobody gave a fuck except for me right yeah, Octung Baby Live. If they're going to play that whole album, it would be. Oh, cool. now I got to save up for fucking Vegas and yeah. tickets to go see you too. Right. You, because uh, I would love to see that. I always wanted to see that tour. Yeah, I missed it Fuck. too. All right, well, they're doing a residency, so you know you get plenty of chances. Ugh. I've never been All to right. Vegas. Uh, I've been out there a couple of times for work. It's uh, it's a little too much for me, but you know. Mm. All right. The next thing I have, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. We didn't talk about this last episode when they were out, but the Rock Hall finalists for 2023 are out. Eight of the 14 nominees are first timers. And here you go. Kate Bush, Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott, Iron Maiden, Joy Division and New Order, Cindy Lauper, George Michael, Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, Soundgarden, 
The Spinners, Tribe Called Quest, The White Stripes, and Warren Zevon. Fucking Tribe Called Quest. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Tribe Tribe was up last year, too. I thought they should have gotten in. Uh, fuck um, yeah. Willie Nelson, man, if Dolly Parton got in, Willie's going to get in. Willie's in his 90s, I think, now. Uh, I don't know, I, dude. I'm just like, I'm M. I am about like some of these original hip hop bands being put in. Absolutely. Like right, the, they were, they were fucking awesome. Yeah. The, the horses left the barn around putting hip hop artists in. And if you put Eminem in and you put Biggie tribes got to go in. Oh my God. Without a fucking doubt, like peer at the end over. Yeah, totally agree. I think, unfortunately, this is probably the year that Kate Bush gets in. We said that I said that last year, but I think she's going to get in. Yeah. Stranger things really like, vaulted her yeah i want to know who the fuck is on the nominating committee that keeps bringing her up but you know they don't just snob ass motherfuckers probably right. right no no motor marcy it's marcy uh he is the most insufferable insufferable shit in music but, he was in know. the news again doing some shit i don't know what yeah. he's talking about i yeah. i just he's just ridiculous I, I, one of the episodes we did, I had a whole rant on him about how I just, I can't stand him and his pretension. And I said, he's just the most insufferable prick in music, but I cut it out because I'm like, I don't want to go on this rant about him. But no, but he is, he does not give a fuck about yeah. people spending money to see him in concert or anything, or he's got to put everything down. And he's just like the original hipster. He's yeah. like a, he's a jerk off. Yeah, I don't know. He's the, he's the dude that he'll go into a you know, a studio or he'll go to a concert venue. He'll play a song and he'll be like, it's too cold. And he'll walk off. Yeah, he's like Axel. Yeah, he's like Axel back in the day. Yeah, yeah. He's a jerk off. He was at yeah. the fucking the Met in Philadelphia and somebody went in there work. Oh, he was really fucking good. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah I can't. Stand so he that, said, so. oh, if the Smiths got together again, they would play like three nights at Wells Fargo. I'm like, get no fucking no, they way. Wouldn't. No way. No, no fucking way. All right. We're going to move on to the electric chair where we kill a song from being terrible. And you had a good one for this week. Yeah, dude. Did you see the Super Bowl? Did you see Rihanna? I did watch the Super Bowl. It, I mean, obviously, we both watched the Super Bowl because the Eagles were in it. But Rihanna's thing was ridiculous. She looked, she looked like a, a fucking balloon up there. <laughs> I yeah, we're gonna kill Umbrella by Rihanna. Um, I, I like her music. I thought she was lip syncing and did a really bad job. Wait a minute, you like her music? I don't think it's. I don't know if I like it. It's not. I don't. I think like it's her. I like her. I think she's rad. But her music, I don't know. She does have one of the greatest guitar players in her band. You does know Bennett Cord. You know Bennett Cord from Extreme. You mentioned that before. Yes. Yeah. yeah and he yeah, was yeah. there at the soup. That was what I was looking for through the Super Bowl was him. And he, they they kept showing him. And it was like, Man, yeah, you know, motherfucker playing playing the motherfucking Super Bowl. You know Bennett Cord. That went right over my head, man. I totally missed. I totally forgot that. I remember you mentioned that in the show like a year ago. Oh, yeah. He was Um, ripping it up there. Yeah, I don't, you know, whatever, man. I don't, I don't crap on her music. I didn't think the, it was really good. The performance, I thought it was a little out of sync. But it could have been. When was the last rock and roll thing at the Super Bowl? Oh, man. I don't know. Dude, there's so many fucking bands that could. And you'll never say it because there's bad blood in it. But, dude, 
can't you see like Bon Jovi being this halftime show and just blowing it the fuck up? Yeah, I I thought last year's was decent too with Dre and Snoop and all those guys. Yeah, but again, there hasn't been a rock and roll fucking Super Bowl in years. That's you know? rock and roll, though, man. Rock and roll is just, uh, you know, they don't announce, they don't do the rock and roll Grammy shit during the main show anymore. Um, there was something, too, like, there wasn't a single band that was in, like, the top Billboard 100 this year or something like that. I forget what it was, man. It was like, uh, oh, man, I had this. Oh, yeah. Only three songs by a band made it in the Billboard's top 100 in 2022 glass animals imagine dragons and one republic so it's like yeah man I, rock and rolls is you know is rock dead i don't know we did a show on it i don't right. think it is but what do we know i mean right. we're old we're right husbands. right we're posers yeah I, everybody was freaking out it was the first thing that rihanna had done in a couple of years and uh but i don't know she, i was kind of I, I was kind of underwhelmed I was kind of not watching it because I know nothing but like it was so in the bar all these fucking white kids jumping up and down and singing to the songs and I turned to my really awesome great friend who's black and I was like look at all these fucking white motherfuckers dude and he started laughing that's funny uh, and oh, dude, they were partying, and I, I made him fucking almost fucking keel over. That's funny. I look at his Spotify, dude. She has seventy four, almost seventy five million people a month listen to her. She has one, two, three, four, four songs with over a billion listens, and two with nine hundred and fifty million. So, yeah, you know, what, what the hell do we know? I'm just know. saying because there's no rock and roll that's full. That's why we're giving her the electric chair. All right, well, let's do it. Let's she represents there. what's going on. We sentence you to death. She just res- represents where music is going and everything else. Well, yeah, represent an entertainment for the fucking Super Bowl, man. Come on, the Rolling Stones there, Prince, fucking Petty. Yeah, I get this. That's just the way music is going, man. But. Dude, bring Metallica in. They fucked that shit up. All right. These fans are on their 40th anniversaries. <laughs> you know, we'll see, we'll see who they do next. Next year will be Kate Bush. Yeah. God. And she'll make a zillion dollars. Yeah, it will be fucking whatever her name is that shut down Ticketmaster. Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's her. I'm surprised she has. Actually, I'm surprised she hasn't done that yet. She hasn't done the Super Bowl. I think I saw an article saying she said something about it, but I could care less. I just Googled that. Yeah. Uh, I just typed in to make sure she hadn't done it. And it says there's a reason why she hasn't done it. She's too busy recording her. She's too busy doing her albums. Uh, They're not giving her enough money. That's why she ain't doing it. Yeah, probably. I I can see her doing it, man. I mean, she's she's huge, the biggest so. star in the world. Biggest star in the world. I was actually surprised that Rihanna didn't have like Jay Z come out. And they showed Jay Z was there, oh, and no. I really thought he was going to come out for that song. That song that, oh. we just played, that we just killed. She was, you know, he's on that. Oh no, you'll never see Jay Z come out and do anything with Rihanna because he like banged Rihanna, 
And no. Beyonce was like, yo, motherfucker. And that's when Beyonce's sister beat the shit out of him in the fucking <laughs> in elevator. Okay, the elevator. Okay. Yeah, no fucking way oh. you're gonna see them together. Uh-uh. Right. Well, that would be why he was there and he wasn't on the on the he was there with his kid. Yeah. With his long hair, too. Do you see that? He had like, yeah, he's got like very cool dreads going on. He's always cool. He's the man. He's Jay. Yeah. Hova. Go Jay. All right. So that is a wrap on episode 58. We hope you enjoy the celebration. Of course, Coronel's music. We only played 30 second clips of the show. But if you want to hear the full version of these songs, we got you covered. Ryan put together a playlist for every episode. And there's a link to it in the show notes. And if you want more of us, we love hearing from listeners and we read as much feedback as we can on the air. We're on Twitter and Facebook. We're online at prisonersofrockandroll.com. And you can always email us at show at prisonersofrockandroll.com. And that's it, man. So I think we'll be back in. Well, I don't think I know we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. We're going to circle up, figure it out. What we're going to talk about and we're going to get right back to it. Thanks for listening. I can't wait, guys. Hope everything's going well for everybody out there. So, uh, you know what I say is keep on rocking. Peace out. I'm just a prisoner. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.